Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. I'm glad to see every one of you. Praise God. Are you blessed this morning? Are you expecting good things from the Lord this morning? Alright. Now, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I am anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We started this thing about in defense of the Christian faith. We started talking about uh, defending the Christian faith. The reason why that should be done. And we're going to look at a few things today. We started this on Sunday. Personally, I never... um, had the thought of questioning the Bible or defending the faith until an incident happened. First time I traveled out of the country, I was in Belgium. We went for an NGO meeting. I was way younger then. And, um, you know, I was with these guys in the morning, would have all the sessions in the evening. Some of them would go to a club, they would go to all kinds of places and everything. So one day my roommate asked me, it was a, a guy from the Philippines. He said, hey, Max, your life must be very dull. I said, no, why? He said, you don't do the things we do. We finish all these sessions. You don't go and unwind. You don't go and drink. You don't go and do all of these things. Your life. And I said, no, I don't. Uh, I'm a Christian. He said, uh, yeah. So you believe the Bible? I said, yes. And then he said, so what if everything they wrote in the Bible was not true? You know, for the first time, it has even never crossed my mind that... It's possible that it's not true. I mean, grew up in a pastor's home, always. And for the first time, it just crossed my mind that, okay, that's true. What about if what I'm reading is not true? And that led me to begin to study more regarding the Bible. Now, that was the incidence that, first of all, began to channel my heart towards the area of Christian apologetics to study more. uh, Because I've never, you know, really had an encounter where that was questioned. So sometimes those circumstances reveal or gives us the platform to begin to study deeper. Just like, for instance, when somebody asks you a certain question, you know, that question will prompt you to begin to study deeper. First Peter chapter 3 verse 15, which is our anchor scripture, we'll read it again. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always been ready to make a defense. That word there, defense, is the Greek word apologia. It means argument or explanation. Argument or explanation. Being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet you do it with gentleness and reverence. So when we talk about the argument here, we're not talking about fighting. We're not talking about quarreling with people. Alright? We do it with what? Gentleness and reverence. Everybody say gentleness and reverence. That's very important. You know, when we state the claims of our faith, we don't do it as if we're fighting. We do it with gentleness and with reverence. Now, 
It's important for us to understand we, we, we dealt with two things. Okay, we dealt with two things in, uh, in the last talk we had on Sunday. We talked about the two things that are key for us to believe the Christian faith. What are the two things? What are the two things? The resurrection of Jesus. Can you remember last Sunday? Yeah, we talked about what? The resurrection of Jesus and what? The eyewitnesses of his account, which is First Chronicle, uh, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse three to eight. Now, I want you to write these scriptures down. Just write them down. Then, when you go home, you would meditate on them. If you see the account of Paul in First Corinthians chapter five, chapter fifteen, verse three to five. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse three to five. If you see that account of Paul. Then you read the account of Luke in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, verse 28 to 31, Acts chapter 13, verse 28 to 31, right? And you read the account of Mark in chapter 15, Mark chapter 15, you read it from verse 37 to Mark chapter 16, verse 7. So I'll go through the scriptures again. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 5. Acts chapter 13, 28 to 31. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 to 16, to chapter 16 and verse 7. You will find that it talks about the, be- the, 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 rex- the birth, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, it's interesting to note that these two accounts, um, these three accounts, say the same thing concerning the basics of the Christian faith. Now, why do we have to defend the faith? It's very important. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. I talked about experiences. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, please. And we're going to read from verse 2 to 6. And these are very important foundations we should have as we talk about the faith. Matthew 11, 2 to 6. Now, when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one? When he says, Are you the expected one? I want you to pay attention, please. When he says, are you the expected one? It gives us a, uh, a background that they were expecting someone. Yeah? So, uh, Jesus, to the Jews, they were expecting a Messiah. Now, they were expecting the Messiah to come and deliver them from the Roman Empire. The oppression of the Roman Empire. But the Messiah that, Jesus, that God was sending was not just to deliver the Jews from the Roman Empire. The Messiah was for the redemption of mankind. So they, that's why they had to understand the Messianic prophecies in the scriptures, which is the Old Testament, for them to be able to point to who the Messiah was. So when he said that, he says, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Now, it's interesting because this is the same John the Baptist who baptized Jesus, right? And said, this is the Lamb of God. Now, what made him to begin to question if that was Jesus now? He has been imprisoned. So, certain times, certain circumstances that happen to us make us to question the faith. So, everybody who questions the faith is not a bad person in that sense. Some of them are believers. And maybe they lost a loved one. Their, their wife, their spouse, their mother, or somebody dies. And they come into this place or a bad experience happens to them. Maybe they you know, they had finances and things crumbled and all of that. And sometimes those things can begin to lead to doubts. That's why it's important to be rooted 
and grounded in the word of God. So uh, Jesus answered verse 4 and said to him, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And verse 6 says, And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now, because when you begin to question the faith, one of the things that would happen is that you begin to take offense at God or the things of God. And that's why today you find all over social media, there's such an offense against Christianity, or there's such an offense against ministers of the gospel. You know, when people have had terrible experiences with church, or terrible experiences with ministers of the gospel, they become offended at the local church or at the pastor. Uh, 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 not just local church now, churches generally and the pastor. And that's why sometimes when you talk to some people who have been to church, they are not just speaking from the place of there's almost a bitterness against church. And you've got to watch for that because some people later turn out to become the ones that do what? Criticize the faith the most. Because they know everything, they've been there. And, and, and so they release that against the church. That's one of the reasons why we need to be firm in our faith. Let's say a few things about the resurrection of Jesus again, and then we progress. Uh, what are some three facts I want you to know? Number one, the vacant tomb, which could, could, which could not be denied even by the Roman authorities. We read, it, uh, we read it last week. You know, the tomb was vacant. They couldn't deny it. They couldn't say that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And so what happened is, because the tomb was vacant, they had to... Uh, release a lie. They had to pay people to lie that the body of Jesus was stolen. Now, this is it. When you say the body of Jesus was stolen, it means that you admit that the body is not there. Do we agree on that? So, for instance, if somebody was buried and two days later I say, oh, they have stolen his body. Okay, whether the man resurrected or the body was stolen, what, what have I agreed? That if you go to that grave, you will not see his body. So we, we know that by them even saying the body was stolen, it means that even the Roman authorities attest to the fact that the tomb is vacant. That's number one. Number two, a Christian apologetics by the name of uh, William Lane Craig says, the testimony of women were not so readily admitted. Now, in the Jewish culture, they had a patriarchal um, system, culture, which means that, you know, it's like the way it is in some of our cultures. When the woman talks, nobody listens. It's only a man that speaks. Now, they had that kind of system. Now, even sometimes, the reports of women, you couldn't admit it in the court. Now, for the disciples to believe that Jesus resurrected, and that news was first of all brought by women, and they admitted and accepted, it means they actually believed it is true. Because if the report of someone cannot be admitted in the law court. You now accept that report. What you are trying to say is that even if I'm taken to the law court, this person is like a child tells you something and you say, you know what, I believe you. I mean, the child can lie, but what you have done by believing in that child is to say, uh, let's put it this way now, whatever the child said, you must be sure it is true before you go ahead to say, I believe what this child has told me. Am I right? Now, that means they also attest to the resurrection. That's why the accounts of the women were believed. Now, it's amazing how God works. They live in a society where there are 
Testimonies was not accepted. And the first person that Jesus appears to is a woman. Amazing. And it's a woman who goes ahead to first of all share the gospel with Peter. He says, go tell Peter that I'm resurrected. Number three. If it was not empty, it would not have been possible for a movement, the Christian religion, to come out of the same city where a man was flogged, crucified and died. For instance, if, we, if somebody died in this city, and we now said, oh, the person has resurrected, he's the one we are worshipping now. At least somebody will say, you see what, all this is your madness. Eh? Let's cure it once and for all. Let's go to the grave and check. You understand? Now, we can tell that lie to somebody who is not in this town. Are you following me? We can tell that lie to someone who is not in this town. But if the person is in this town, what will happen? Just, okay, wait, 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 wait. Eh? Let's, let's check the grave. At least, where did they bury him? He's here. Eh, dig it up. So, for them to be able to birth Christianity from that same place where Jesus was crucified shows that we actually what? Resurrected. Now, some p- people come and say, well, the Christians were experiencing ha- hallucination. You know what hallucination is? means they were just seeing visions. They were just seeing things. Now, psychologists have agreed across board. A group of people cannot have the same hallucinations. Eh? And then the hallucination has lasted for thousands of years. There's no other... There's no explanation for that. There's no psychological explanation for that. That a group of people can have hallucination concerning one person. And then, in fact, it goes from generation to generation. There's, there's never been a thing like that. So, those are all facts to show that the Christian faith is authentic. Why are we dealing, uh, why are we dwelling so much in the resurrection? It is because the resurrection of Jesus, if it is true, and it is true, if the resurrection of Jesus is proven, it means that everything Jesus said about God in his word is true. So therefore, we can attest to and believe the word of God. One of the final sessions we're going to do towards the end of the month is Sola Scriptura to talk about the authority of the scriptures. Now, why, do we, why must we defend the faith? If you're a Christian, then you have a task before you to articulate the truth about Christ, to defend it, to share it, to preserve it, and to pass it along to the next generation. Why must we defend the, the truth? We have that responsibility to be able to articulate the truth, to be able to defend the truth, to be able to share the truth. A man called Otto Douglas, he spent 42 years, 42 years of his life, trying to refute Christianity. He spent 42 years trying to refute everything about the Christian faith. Unfortunately for him, he, bought, he got born again in 1976. After 42 years of trying to refute the faith, he finally accepted that the Christian faith is authentic. There was a man by the name of Nabil Qarashi. Nabil Qarashi uh, died a few years ago. I think about four years ago, three years ago. Died quite very early. Uh, he has a book called Seeking for Allah and Finding Jesus. I mean, he, you know, he, uh, he, was, he was passionate about seeking the truth. He was born a Muslim, but later accepted Christ. He did all the research. 
most of you would have seen this book, in case uh, the case for Christianity or the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is an invest- investigative journalist. He went about trying to refute the claims of Christianity, investigating the Christian faith and the Christian doctrine after many years of doing investigative journalism around the facts surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. You know, he finally accepted the Lord. So these are people who, by the grace of God, are now Christians, but whose sole intention from the beginning was to, uh, you know, find out did Jesus actually rise from the dead? And why it's that big? That is the foundation of the faith. I'll repeat it again. I said last Sunday that if it was the fact that Jesus only hung on the cross, we would not have a faith. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we read. That if we preach, if Christ is not risen from the dead, that our faith is in vain. So the resurrection of Jesus is the biggest thing about the Christian faith. Why should we defend the faith? Jude chapter 1 verse 14. Looking at some reasons why it's important to stick to the fidelity of the faith and the scriptures. Jude chapter 1 and verse 14. No, sorry. Jude chapter 1 verse 1. To four, we can we can uh, we can do verse three to four. Jude chapter one verse three three. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, observe that word common salvation. I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. It says contend for it. It's almost like saying fight for it. Try to defend it. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. And deny our master and Lord Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why we need to defend the faith is that certain persons creep up unto us unnoticed and uses the grace of God for licentiousness. They, they teach the grace of God and they teach almost the grace message that whatever you do, do not count. Whatever you do, it's fine. God loves you. He recklessly loves you. And I said the love of God is not reckless. Alright? Great song, but it is not. You know, the love of God is intentional. And we almost try to teach uh, we, we almost try to teach God in a way that God has love, but there's no judgment. And that's not true. That's not true. Let's look at it this way. If your child uh, is, is going to the fire, putting his hand in the fire, what are you going to do? Talk to me. What will you do? You won't do anything. The way you are quiet, you won't do anything. Because you love the child so much, what will you allow the child to do? You stop the child. Now, if the child says, no, that's what I feel like doing. I feel like putting my hand in fire. You say, well, I love you because I love you. I can't judge you and I can't stop you. Is that what you're going to do? No, you're not going to do that. So, that we, cannot def- we cannot redefine love to just mean allowing you to do what you want to do without consequences. That's not love. Love got boundaries. Love is firm. Love is tough. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. Acts chapter 20 verse 29. Why should we defend the faith? Why should we seek for proper interpretation of scriptures? Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. This is Paul saying. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves, 
hmm, will come in among you, not sparing the flocks. And, and, and from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. What are we talking about? Even we, we are not trying to only defend the faith against people outside. The Bible says even amongst us, Paul says, I warned you with tears night and day, teaching to you God's word. He says, but after I depart, salvage wolves will come, not sparing the flocks. Right? Why do we need to defend the faith? Because we find people today standing in the pulpit like myself. You know, not people like myself. People standing behind the pulpit like myself. <laughs> who, who are after the flocks. Are you following what I'm saying? They teach all manner of doctrine, perverse doctrine, to draw people not only after themselves, but to, to reap the flock of what they have. Hmm? That's why we see all kinds of doctrine. I don't know where we get that doctrine from today where people would say, you have to redeem your firstborn. And how do you redeem your firstborn? You bring some seed, bring some offering, and then we're going to pray over your firstborn and redeem your firstborn. First Peter tells us that we were not redeemed by corruptible things. We were not redeemed by silver and gold. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Imagine that logic. You were redeemed by blood, but then you now redeem your own firstborn by money. Does that make sense? And of all monies, our wonderful Naira. Hmm? Even if you want to redeem your son, won't you do pounds? Ah, you understand this now. And then you hear people sometimes come and say, well, so seed according to your age. Huh? That's the time you now hate yourself for being old. A 20 year old man is sowing 20,000. And then now you are, you are 80. You have to sow 80,000. These are perverse doctrines that we need to deal in the body against. That's why we need to defend the faith. See, anybody can carry this Bible and teach whatever they like. But you have to make sure that it's in line with the scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're talking about in defense of the Christian faith. Why should we do it? Why should we be big on it? 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 of 4. This now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, praise God, which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Say, spoken by your apostles. Number 3. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come <clears throat> with their mocking. Following their own lust. Mockers will come. We defend the faith against mockers. The people who will come and mock the Christian faith. Make mockery of the faith. And so it's important that as believers, we know what we believe. So we can defend the faith against mockers. Number four, we defend the faith against invasion of culture and humanism. Interestingly, uh, an American carried out a survey and he, he asked 84% of Americans and they believe that enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. 84% of Americans. Hmm? 86 indicated that to enjoy yourself, pursue the things that you most desire. 91% agree that to find yourself, look within yourself. This is what they believed. Now, Unfortunately, he gave Christians those same survey. 
Look at what it turned out. For Christians, 66% of regular church attenders say, enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. 72% affirm that you should pursue the things you desire. 76% agree that to find yourself, look within yourself. There was absolutely no difference. The invasion of culture. Huh? And we find it here today. We find it in our life today. That everything is about self. And that's why a believer has to be very careful. Praise God. A believer has to be very careful. Because you observe today, people talk about self-awareness, self-esteem, self-this, self-that. Use a lot of psychology. to, to, to And we are almost ditching the word of God and everything is about us. It's a very subtle line. And I'll say it here. It doesn't matter your, 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 what's it called now? Your personality type. Whether you are choleric, whether you are phlegmatic, whether you are whatever matic you are. And even if you are problematic, <laughs> the Holy Ghost on the inside can cause a change in your life. Praise God. The Holy Ghost can change your personality. If there's something wrong with your DNA, He can rewrite it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We must not present a powerless gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Whether it's mental health issues you have, balancing your mental health, you are being stressed out, feed on the word of God. If you have the joy of your salvation, your mental health well-being will not be disturbed. Feed on the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Feed on the word. Because if we're not careful, we will begin to push some of these things to the extreme where we ditch the Bible for just therapy. And I've heard people say that, ah, the word of God is not Bible therapy. This is practical therapy. This is practical therapy. And what is the practical therapy that I tell you about? They say, get up in the form of the mirror. Say to yourself in the morning, I love myself. I love who I am. I love myself. I don't hate myself. I love myself. If you would confess all the scriptures about who you are in Christ, it will do the same work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Christ you are accepted. In Christ you are accepted in the beloved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God loves me. Say, say God's word over yourself. Your mind will be correct. And we need to be careful about these things. They look good. But sometimes it is denying the power that's in the scriptures. And unfortunately sometimes pastors are the ones pushing all of this. Because they want to, um, they want to, how do I put it now? They want to appear good to society. This word, I tell you, this word, if believed, if spoken, if acted upon, can correct anything. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. It will. False ideas and philosophies. Colossians 2.8. Why do we defend the Christian faith? We defend the faith against false ideas and philosophies. False ideas and philosophies. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, see to it. That what? Let's, let's go back to verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now been built up in him and established in your faith. Just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy. An empty deception. According to the tradition of men. According to the elementary principles of the world. Rather than according to Christ. Vain philosophies. Empty traditions. For not careful, the Christian faith is reduced to empty traditions, vain philosophies. That's why a man will tell you to bring Cain, that you want to flog the devil. Huh? 
Basic logic tells you that the devil is spirit. How do you flog a spirit? Eh? And you say, we, we take it casually. Before you know, they say, bring coconut water. Before you know, they say, we want to do spiritual work. And then you sometimes you just say, well, it's not like he's spelling anything. It's just prayer. I'm just putting the prayer request in many places. After all, prayer is not too much. I will have uh, juju priests masquerading as ministers of the gospel and taking advantage of believers. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's important for us to understand. And when I talk about the transformation of personality, look at Peter. Peter denied Jesus. A little girl asked, asked Peter. He said, you talk like this. He said, no, I've never seen it. Denied Jesus three times. Three good times. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came upon Peter, and the, the, the chief priest and the rulers of the synagogue and, and the council held him and flogged him, flogged them, and said, never again preach in the name of Jesus. What did they say? Say, who shall we obey? They went out preaching, rejoicing that, that they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. What happened? The Holy Ghost came. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with all of that. You know what I was saying, like I said in the first service. <laughs> Even in, in marriage, young people learn to learn the voice of the Spirit and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. The heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. You can't know it. Some people don't even know the evil they are capable of if the Holy Ghost is taken away from them. Eh? So sometimes you want to marry. They say, okay, do personality tests. You match, match this, match this. Hey, two of you, you are 22 over 32. You, you are 20 over 30. I think you should match up with this person. Eh? You know, when I got married, uh, my mom, it's a different personality from my, my dad. They have, so, when, when I got married, there was a way I was relating to Sister Mary. I was relating to Sister Mary based on the way my mom's personality was. One day I was praying and then the Holy Ghost spoke on the inside of me. Say, you're relating to your wife the, the way your mother was, this way, this way, this way. Uh, or your mother is, rather. And if you keep doing that, this is going to be the end result. You can't find that in any textbook. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No author has ever written that. That's peculiar for your situation. You must learn to listen to the... That's why Christianity is relationship. It's good when we do marriage seminar and all of these things. It's good all the things we teach. When your husband comes on time, hug him, you know, put perfume on his things, serve his table, fold his napkin. And you do all of those things. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. But there are people who have done all those things and more. And they don't have a marriage. I'm not saying those things are wrong. They're already teaching you those things. So I'm teaching you the one they are not teaching you. So take those ones. Listen. <laughs> Find somebody who has the fear of God. Before you be looking for how to track phone, you have now become a phone software engineer. Find a man who fears God and keeps his commandment. Which phone was, were they tracking for Joseph when he was before Potiphar's wife? Eh? What did Joseph say? I fear God. I fear God is a better tracker than software. Before you now be downloading and looking for password and stretching neck where you are not supposed to stretch neck. Save yourself the high blood pressure and look for a man who fears God. I didn't say a man who goes to church. What did I say? A man who does what? And a woman who does what? Who fear God. That's what you should track. His fear of God. Before you are not downloading software, asking questions, spending time on... And you, you don't give yourself unnecessary pressure. Eh? 
you can learn how to make bedsheets until hotels are looking for you. Because by the time you make your bedsheets, it's so nice that somebody is not afraid to sleep on it. It's like, should we sleep here? I say, sleep that. I say, like that. I say, no, I cannot squeeze. And somebody is standing and sleeping because it's so neat. Are <laughs> you hearing what I'm saying? So there are things that make for life and godliness. And those things are what? Spiritual things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Christians must be careful not to buy into a subtle religion that promotes humanism. Listen, you are not the center of Christianity. Jesus is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, our gathering together this morning is not because of you. Our gathering together is because of him. It says, unto him shall what? The gathering of the people be. So when we come to church and we are gathered in church, what should be our priority? To learn from our master, to seek his ways, to learn about him. If that priority is paramount and established, the scripture says, all other things will be added unto us. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Alright, let's look at three beliefs, three kinds of beliefs, and then we'll go about what separates Christianity from other faith. Then we can wrap up for today. There's what you call pantheism. It's known as the doctrine that identifies God with the universe. And I've always warned believers of these things. Or they, 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 they equate the universe as a manifestation of God. And you have to be careful. As a Christian, you don't have a business saying, do good things and the universe will bless you. No, that's wrong. Absolutely wrong. The universe is not God. Mother Earth is not your mother. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here? Are you in church this morning? Say amen if you are here. There is nothing like do good and the universe will bless you. The universe is a creature of God. God created the world. The universe. Genesis 1.1 These are short type things that we put out there. Hmm? You hear a believer talk about karma. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. The heavens and the earth. Thank God. The Bible started with these very words. The universe is created by God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We don't worship the universe. We don't treat the universe as if it is God. And if we do well, the universe will bless us. There's nothing like that. It is God that created the universe. That's why the believer has no business reading stars, horoscope. Eh? I'm Leo. I'm Scorpio. And because I'm Leo, we don't fall in love in August. If not, we'll marry bad people. Eh? You open newspaper, you'll be looking for who you are. That's not you. You are in Christ. Come on, I said you are in Christ. You are born again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are Holy Ghost filled. You are not Leo. You are not Scorpion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are a child of God. Are you, these are very subtle things. And so you have a business opening up to you. You have gone to read newspaper. And they say, Leo people in August don't do business. If not, business will go wrong. And God is opening the door. He said, you will hear a voice behind you. This is the way working in it. He didn't say you will see Leo. You will hear a voice behind you. Do what? This is the way working it. Believers, listen carefully to me. Believers are led by the Spirit. They are not led by stars. Say, my star is Scorpio. No, that's not your star. The Scripture says the day star will arise in our hearts. 
That day star is Jesus. So we need to be careful of this. Psalm 19 verse 1. This is why we need to get back to the foundations of the faith. Psalm 19 verse 1. It says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring what? The works of His hands. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to Romans chapter 1. Are you learning something from this this morning? Say amen if you are. Alright. Romans chapter 1. Thank you Lord Jesus. Verse 20 to 21. Looking at people who believe. In the universe. 20 21. Look at this. For since the creation... Let's read from verse 1, verse 18, sorry. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Look at this. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth. They hide it. Because that which is known about God, listen, is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood, through what has been made. So we see the attributes of God through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks but became futile in their, in their speculations. Or their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Look at this. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. You see, when you say you are Leo, eh? Lion. Hmm? So you exchange the incorruptible image of God that you are to a four-footed animal. That's, you are the one they are describing here. Eh? God says you are in my image. You say no, you are Leo. You suppress the truth of who you are in Christ. And now, they take your identity from Scorpion. You exchange the truth of God. You take the image, the incorruptible image of God, and give it to a forefather. And you begin to worship the creature rather than the creator. The creator lives in you to guide you. You say, no, it's lion that does not marry in August that will guide you. These are subtle things. And we joke with these things, but these are subtle things that the scripture tells us about. And what does the Bible say? He gives them over to a reprobate mind. And in the futility of their minds, and then you become, you, you just, you, are, you, are, you have a darkened understanding. And it looks like wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, you can put Psalm 50 verse 6 there. Psalm 50 verse 6. Thank you, Lord. Alright. Now, another thing is polytheism. This is the belief and worship of more than one God. You no know, people believe you can worship many gods. Right? You can worship many gods. There are many ways to God. People now push love more than God. Hmm? Somebody says, there's no Christian religion. There's no Muslim religion. Everything is love. Let love lead. Love is not a religion. God is love. And it is God that defines what love is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
We can't go about saying all kinds of stuff. I say it's love. No. You know, and that's what, that's what humanity does. That's what humanity does. Right? God made the sign of the rainbow and said, this is the sign of my covenant that I will not destroy the earth again. I'll give you a rainbow. Am I right? The world takes rainbow now as a sign of what? Of gay movement. So, you know, I mean, you put a rainbow sign now. You say, we can accept everybody. And that's the very thing God gave to us as a sign that he will not destroy the earth again. We exchange that. Hmm? Even as a Christian, if you put a rainbow in your profile, I mean, people will just assume that you are gay. They've taken that now and seized that symbol. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't go and design your own logo. You now take what God has given to us and now say it's your logo. And I'm beginning to use it as a brand. It's amazing how people fight against the Christian faith, but they can't even leave Christ Christians alone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Go and post any nonsense on social media. Nobody will answer you. Post something about Christ. Trouble will start. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let anybody do any madness. No, nobody will say anything. Let a pastor buy something. Then there's trouble everywhere. Then there's postmodernism. Hmm? But right under polytheism, right Deuteronomy 6, 4, the scriptures say here, O Israel, the Lord your God is but one God. And they write Ephesians 4, 5. Ephesians 4, 5. Ephesians 4, 5. We have one God. There is only one God. Alright? So that we can go quickly. Then there is atheism. These are those who don't believe in God at all. Say there is no God. How did you come here? We just came. Hmm? Say we evolved from ape. It's not me and you. <laughs> you know it's very funny if you know, I mean they show you that picture mouse, small, monkey from monkey to ape, from chimpanzee, and then it became man now your logical science mind will tell you that if something has been evolving like that for generations, from one generation to another we should have evolved from being men to something else, why did we stop here? Yeah, you evolve, you evolve it's your uncle that is a chimpanzee, it's not me <laughs> what nonsense is that? Yeah, you know, see, poo, 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 from Chippazi, you became a man. Then why are you still a man? You would have evolved. I mean, years ago, we evolved to become Chippazi. Yeah? Then why are we stuck here? Genesis 1.26 tells us God created man in his image and gave him dominion over what? Over every living thing. God gave us dominion over Chippazi. Now, you now carry Chippazi and you are not training Chippazi in zoo. Then you are not paying money to go and watch your grand uncle. Does that make sense? <laughs> that makes sense. Alright. Now, the, Psalm 14, verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Okay? So you have postmodernism, all kinds of movements. What separates Christianity from other religions? Let's do this quickly. Number one, every other religion teaches us to earn our way to God. So most religions teach us to earn our way to God. For instance, Buddhism will suggest the eightfold noble plan. The eightfold noble plan. Buddhism will teach that. Islam will teach the five pillars of Islam: the shahada, the prayer, the fasting, charity, and going to pilgrimage. Hmm? But that's not what Christianity teaches us. Christianity teaches us that God came for us. 
Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God came for us. We don't do things to earn our way to God. We don't try to get to God. We're not trying to do something to please God. No. God is the one who came for us. Romans chapter uh, 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Can you say Amen. John 3.16 For God so loved the world That he did what? He gave God gave God is the one who gave himself for our redemption You can read 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also died for us Once for all The just for the unjust So that he might bring us to God Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So listen, God, uh, the, the sacrifice of Jesus brings us to God. It's not we trying to get to God. So Christianity, by the death of Jesus, brings us what? To God. That's, that's important. Number two, other religions have a system of rules to appease their God. Christianity is more of what? A relationship with God. Psalm 145, verse 18 to 19 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth, He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, There is no mediator between God and man except the man Jesus. So it's not just about a set of rules to please God, but it's a vital relationship. So what happens is that when a man accepts Jesus, he, God comes to live in that man, to enable that man please him. Let me say, tell you this. There are very little things. I'll be mentioning some things in the course of this study. There are very little things we'll be careful of. You know this statement we all sometimes put on our status and put on Facebook and you see them everywhere. Where people say, help Whoever you are helping, you don't know who is going to become who tomorrow and in turn help you. Have you, have you read that? Uh, I know some of you have said it too. You see, if, let me tell you, right? Let me tell you this. If you do that as a Christian, eh, you have zero reward. How, how much reward did I say? You are, you are doing investments. You are not giving. It's gambling. You are gambling with people's life. Let me help you. 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 I don't know who will come and help me tomorrow. You are an investor. You know why we give? You give out of love and leave the rewards to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you close your eye to a need you should meet because you look at this person. If I help this person, this person will not be able to help me tomorrow. And you block and close that, and you are looking for your uncle's son who is already rich, where you know that, okay, when he comes back, and then you are now buying, and, and, and that's wrong motive. In Christianity, your motive is more important than your actions. But in other religions, they don't care about your motive. Just do the right actions, and then you tick the box. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop all those helping people so that tomorrow somebody will help you. Are you planning to be helpless in your future? I mean, some people pray, I mean, you pray faith and talk, talk doubts. So you, as you are now, you are, you are living your life so that tomorrow you will be in a state of need so that someone will help you. So you are safeguarding your future by helping someone. Is that how to safeguard your future? No. Trust in the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They look like nice things, but they are, they are not biblical. They are not biblical. In fact, a true Christian will give to the man who can help him tomorrow. That's where your love comes in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
It's not investment. Investment is not giving. That's why people also stop giving in church because we taught them to do giving like investment. If you do this, God will give you this. If you do this, God will give you this. If you do this, God will give you this. And people have given and have calculated. Say, on this side, it's like God is owing me. The three are not balanced. I hear what I'm saying. You see, you see no balance. So I'm giving by now. I mean, this thing almost looking like MMM now. I hear what I'm saying. So you've got to watch against those things. They look subtle, but watch against them. Is there giving and receiving in the scripture? Absolutely. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But there is there a motive behind it? Yes. What's the motive? Love. Oh, I love my church. I love my pastor. I love what God is doing in the kingdom. I love to help the poor. I love, and you do that out of love. Out of love for, for, for the Lord Jesus. And appreciation for the Lord Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, no other religion has an empty tomb. We are the only people who follow a leader who died and came back to life. Every other major religion, their leaders are dead and did not resurrect. No other religion claims resurrection. This is big. Resurrection is big to us. No other religion claims that their founder came back from the dead. Praise God. Number four, Christianity is different from other religions because of the exclusive claims of Christ. The exclusive claims of Christ. John 14 verse 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except by me. Jesus claimed the fact that he was God. He claimed the fact that he was the only way to God. That he was bold about his statement. No other religion's founder has such audacity and such claims that they are God. That's one of the difference. Praise God. I said praise God. Alright. Let's look at Paul's approach as we wrap up because of our time. We'll continue on Sunday. And on Sunday we're, we're answering the simple question. Is a good man, will a morally good man be saved even if he's not a Christian? Well, well, that's what we're going to answer on Sunday. Uh, Paul's approach, Acts 17. Are you learning something from this series? And let me tell you this, right? Sometimes the hardest people to... And that's why as Christians, we have to, we have to, to follow this. Because if we don't and understand these things we're learning, the experiences we have will cause us to ditch our faith. Most people who stopped going to church, who stopped serving God and all of that, it is experiences they had. But you see, the problem is this. When you are not convinced of your faith, your experience will rob you of it. And the enemy will set up all kinds of things to give you that experience. Are there people who have died in plane crashes? Are there people who have died on the boats? Are there people who have died on the road? Have we stopped flying? Have we stopped entering the boats? So your experience does not stop your faith To say I'm no longer a Christian Because of what I've experienced Is not, is not true You are just being, decept- you are just being self-deceptive hmm? You are just being self-deceptive That's why you see that the greatest critics of the church Are former Christians That's the truth They will fight and fight and fight and fight And you tell yourself this eh? The truth of the matter is that If you were once a Christian And now you are now the one fighting the church. You will realize that it's the devil using you. You are, not, you are not trying to protect God's interest. That's one message that God did not send you, that you are going. When he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and bring men to the kingdom. When you were a Christian, you never won any soul. But now that you stop being a Christian, you have convinced many people not to go to church. 
Who is using you? Huh? You have convinced many people not to be dedicated to the Lord. You have convinced many people not to pursue after God. But when you were a Christian, you never went out for outreach. You never went out for soul winning. Rather than, you see, tell you anything that makes you that you are not building the church, but you are against the church, cannot be God. Say, now my eyes are open. No, you are in more blindness. Say, now I'm really understanding this thing about Christianity. In those days, we used to be very religious. Now I just do church on my own. You can't tell God how his church should run. Hmm? I like what Tony Evans says. He said, being a Christian and not being a part of the local church is like saying, I, will, I want to get married in a long distance and, still, and I, I won't be at home. So you are married, but you stay somewhere. Hmm? You don't want to come home to your wife. That's what it means. You can't separate, you can't separate uh, the church and Jesus from the local body of Christ. You can't separate the universal body from the local body. The universal body must have expression in the local body. And will you find a perfect church? Sir, no. Even if you find one, don't join them. The day you join them, you will take your imperfection there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As far as we're dealing with people, as far as people are in several, there are several stages and several works with God. They are growing, you know, what, uh, um, they are in different phases of their work with God, would have all these issues come up. And that is when we now learn to practice the faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When your brother offends you and you forgive, you learn forgiveness. When you see your brother in need and you give, you learn giving. It is within the context of the congregation that we practice the faith. And you see, after a while, you begin to develop patience. And this one brother that will harass you and harass you and harass you, what is he doing? He's helping to fine-tune your patience work. Helping to make you better. <laughs> I follow what I'm saying. But you shouldn't be the one that they are using to fine-tune others. It's not good. See, I, I, I found my ministry. No, that's not your ministry. Let's see Paul's approach. Acts 17, verse 2 to, to 4. And according to Paul's custom, Acts 17, 2 to 4, according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths, three weekends, reasoned with them from the scriptures. Observe the word. Reasoned with them from the scriptures. Number, number verse 3. Explaining. That word explaining also means what? Do you have another translation there? Explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying this whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. So I want you to see Paul's approach. He reasoned, he explained and gave evidence. Note those three words. Paul reasoned, because Paul reasoned, Paul explained, Paul gave evidence and what was the result? Verse 4, some people were what? Persuaded to join. You, you follow that now? There was ex so, so Christianity is not against reasoning. Christianity is not against explanation. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? So, uh, Paul didn't just go and start shouting, hey, you, hey. no, no, no. He explained. He gave reasons. So, Christianity is not against reasoning. The word of God can be defended. It's logical. It's not illogical. Acts chapter 19. Go to Acts 19, verse 8 to 10. Praise God. Are you here? Say amen if you're here. Alright, Acts, Acts 19. It says, 
verse 8. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months. Look at this. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Verse 9. But when some were becoming hardened, explain, 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 they will not understand. Hmm? And disobedient. Look at what they were doing. Speaking evil of the way before the people. I mean, Paul was teaching three months. Three months, the guy was reasoning, persuading, explaining. Three months, you thought that people would understand. After three months, some became hardened. Say, I used to believe small before, but after your explanation, I discovered that there's nothing. And they began to speak evil of the way. I hear what I'm you know, some of you think if Paul was alive today, nobody would be able to fight against the church. Once Paul speaks, everybody will believe. He's a lie. Three months, the man was teaching, reasoning. The guys became more hardened. Even the little belief they had, say, no, 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 no. From your explanation, it is clear. <laughs> you know, Paul. I mean, this is Paul that Jesus appeared to. Look at what Paul did. He withdrew from them <laughs> and took away the disciples. Reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannos. So you know what Paul did? Paul now took those who believed in him and took them to the school of Tyrannos and began to reason with them daily. Because you know what? If those people confuse the ones that are disciples, eh? that's why sometimes, let me tell you, when you can argue with some people, you discover that your strength of reasoning does not match their own. Withdraw your brain from them. Are you know what I'm saying? And go and feed on the word again. Feed on the word again. Feed on the word again. If not, before you know, they will even now convert you. I, no, I'm telling you the sincere truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You talk with somebody, you discover that, ah, it's leading you to confusion. You pause, you come back. You go and study. No, there's a time somebody asked me a question. And I told him, I've not studied that subject. I can't answer you now. I'll take time to study it. You must not know, even as your pastor, I don't know everything. So when someone asks you certain questions and you don't have, come back, study. Look at what Paul did. He withdrew, took the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So you see, that strategy of Paul was to do what? Take the disciples inward, reason with them daily, give them more facts and set them out. The church of Jesus should be like the school of Tyrannus. Are you hearing what I say? Reasoning, reasoning, reasoning. Praise the name of the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that you would cause that these truths be established in our heart. We pray, Father God, for as many as we hear this word, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the light of the glorious gospel will shine upon their heart. You would raise us, O God, to put a defense for the faith. And our Father God, through us, many generations will hear the word of truth and the word of life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, we, w- we would uh, receive our offerings in our tithes. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng We would like to hear from you. Send us an email info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575 God bless you.